Hello folks and welcome to another episode of the Creator Club. This one today is slightly different because I have Shane Walsh on and he is going to use this as an episode on his podcast as well. Uh, so what I'm going to do now is quickly hand over to Shane, let him do his introduction, then it'll come back to me and we'll talk about what we're going to go on today. So Shane, say hello. Hi Marty, I appreciate you having me on as well. It's great to kind of have a chat. Uh, so yeah, I'm... Uh, the host of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast, online coach uh, based in Dublin. Moved, made the transition away from face-to-face BT to online coach in the last little while. Especially with what's going on, it's a strange time. And I've worked with Marty twice now, uh, doing kind of both the physique shoot and doing the lifestyle shoot. So a lot of things have changed since the last time. And that's why we're kind of looking to do this podcast today since the, the difference between the two shoots to two years. Mm-hmm. 100 uh, and for those on uh shane's podcast i don't know who i am i am a photographer who specializes uh within the fitness industry originally i would have specialized with physique photography more capturing people that were prepping for competitions and things like that but now over the last few years i've moved more along the lines of actually working with online coaches and helping them provide content which then allows them to attract the perfect client and build a profile the personal brand online and then this is where i have met shane uh so if we take it back then two years ago shane uh where when we first worked together you come up uh to belfast with me and you got a physique shoot yourself but it was really then to include those elements into your coaching business tell me a wee bit more about where you were at that point I think for myself at that point, I was kind of like I needed to as a PT, you, when you first started a PT anyway, you feel kind of a lot more pressure to look a certain way. And I think as I was kind of fresh enough into that industry at that time, I was I felt a lot of pressure to look a certain way. But that was self-induced pressure and it was kind of induced pressure from, say, social media. But that was me latching on to certain things on social media and how I the kind of the traffic that I was kind of looking at on social media um but things have definitely changed in that regard and i think that the, the physique shoot taught me a lot about myself and how potentially not to diet as well because mm-hmm. uh, it was a completely crash diet and that's definitely taught me how to be a little bit more empathetic towards my own clients a little bit more empathetic towards myself um, and i think the difference between the two years of doing the physique shoot to doing the lifestyle shoot which we did recently was i've definitely feel it's a lot the, the the kind of type of client that I'm looking towards don't really care if I have the fake tan on the the abs sticking out or anything like that they care about kind of looking for the human looking for if the person is going to show empathy so that was the major major transition for me and it took me took me that shoot to figure it out so I I in no way regret doing that shoot because it was part of my journey and part of me growing as a person a trainer and as a coach really mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, as I said already, I worked predominantly in sort of physique photography to start and then moved over to more in the coaching content sort of side of things. And I know it's for a lot of personal trainers first getting started, they move into the industry and believe they have to portray themselves in a particular way to try and attract clients. I, I have the perfect physique already, so then this is why you need to come to me. Now, don't get me wrong, I believe in that people it's, it's beneficial that people serve from an area of experience and authenticity now that for you in your context she ensures that you went down the crash that route and then you learned that that was not necessarily the best way to do it or even although it may get you results they are not sustainable through that route 
but and I as what I was going to say is that a lot of people I think it happens the same way that they go to the physique shoot they put it out there and then they realize it's not necessarily what people are looking you know people will never really pay you for your physique they will pay you for what you can do to theirs or what the confidence you can bring to them by helping them work on theirs and almost one thing for me recently is it's not necessarily changing how people see you it's changing you it's changing how you see yourself in your own eyes does that make sense that makes a hell of a lot of sense i think you've hit the nail on the head i think when you first join you're kind of like a deer a, a kind of a deer in headlights when you first kind of do your pt course you're like there's a lot have a lot of pressure to you think that you have to look a certain way to get a certain type of client like when i first started i was only going to train lads to get ripped um, um but that's completely changed my whole demographic as we'll talk about later on but i think for myself I put way too much pressure on myself in order to look that way. I didn't feel comfortable with my own skin, but that that was just kind of like the fake time as well, or, or kind of masking that whole side of things. And don't get me wrong, I think potentially coaches should look, um, should have got into some sh- sort of shape in some some at some stage in their lives because they know the process they can understand how the hunger cues the different food choices that can be made and it can help you with your empathy side of things so i 100 percent agree with that that a lot of people can definitely do the physique style coaching but if you're looking to coach john and mary down the road they really don't really care about kind of that whole fake tan side of things they will actually buy into the human rather than the actual body mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, and I know I've seen, obviously, working in the industry and with so many coaches over the last few years, I've seen a transition and a change in people that would have always posted predominantly images or sort of images of themselves with their top off in the gym and everything else and assumed this was the best way to build their business. But ultimately, slowly but surely, over the time, they've realized the more that they lean into providing content that supports and challenges and uh, nurtures clients uh, to help them achieve their results, getting them from you know a position of pain to one of pleasure and how they view themselves will attract a lot more of the clients that you want. It won't always necessarily get you the likes or the reaction that you think, but ultimately for me, the content that you create as a coach or necessarily for any business or a personal brand isn't necessarily judged on how many likes you can generate, but rather down closer to the actual DMs, because that is where people are actually going to get in contact and inquire about working with you or availing of your service. Couldn't agree more. And I think what what, what I thought of when I first started was like, oh, I'm going to get all my clients from, the, like if I was doing face-to-face PT, that I was going to get all my clients from the likes of Instagram and stuff like that by posting up shirtless selfies and stuff like that. And that's not how it was. It was about doing the donkey work on the floor. And now it's slightly different with online. And it's also proved to me that you don't necessarily have to have a huge following in order to have a very successful business. It's about being able to hone in to what your clients are saying, like you said about the DMs. And we were talking about this when we did the last photo shoot about kind of, your clients are giving you the content your clients are asking you the questions on a daily basis and i think that's where a lot of pts and coaches can get lost about they put so much pressure on themselves to kind of just put out content every single day and it's not necessarily quality content and it's maybe that 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 piece of content may suit them but it may not suit say jane or mary down the road who they're trying to talk to and that's where people can get, get lost a little bit. And I think that's where I was and where things have definitely changed for me in that regard. 
in that it's a lot less shirtless selfies. Uh, don't get me wrong, there was up one up last week, but there's a hell of a lot less of them, and it's more of if someone has said something to me on a check-in, which we spoke about when we met up a couple of weeks ago, um, like small little wins or non-scale victories, as I call them, and then latching onto those and being able to put that kind of content out. Those people are going to latch onto those more so because that's people's struggles. That's your demographic or your niche's struggle, whether it be a girl who's yo-yo dieted all their life or a lad, a skinny guy who has struggled to put weight on. It's those kind of questions and those kind of messages from DMs and stuff like that, if you are getting DMs, that are going to make you stand out more so than just putting up a shirt or selfie. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing I'm a big believer in that your content is a magnet. What you post, you attract. So if all you do is post uh, topless selfies, then you're more likely going to attract interaction from people who also post topless selfies. And if they're already posting top of selfies, then they're not necessarily going to pay for you or buy from you because they probably already are where they want to be or where they believe they want to be. Whereas, and exactly as you said, clients are always our best source of content. When you post about struggles that clients are currently facing and how you've helped them overcome it, you're then going to attract people who are in the exact same position, struggling with those exact same things, but haven't yet found a solution, which means you can provide that solution for them. And then you are the option for them to move forward. So it's almost to take that round to the context of your first shoot then that we got some coaching images of you yeah. uh, working with uh, a female Vicky, who was also a PT and a friend of yours. Uh, but when you posted those images, you had said to me during our last shoot that all of a sudden you started getting more inquiries from women. Yeah, like it was it was literally, I'd say within kind of a week of posting those that it was like Vicky wasn't my client at the time anyway. It was just kind of like, it was, it was kind of that side of shoot, but people were like, they put two and two together and they were like, oh, Vicky was your client. And it was kind of showing that you could, the little cues, the little touches on kind of showing that you're a human side and not kind of that Billy Bootcamp uh, PT. And that's, I think a lot of people more wanted that side of PT. And I noticed within a week, there was people coming through. And when I put up the, the advertising I made up, the marketing, the business cards, that kind of stuff, that something just clicked within the business. And I just had I had my the wrong ladder against the the wrong wall for for like the first probably nine months to a year of my business. And mm-hmm. since I've had the right ladder against the right wall with kind of aim, mainly working with females, business has just kind of boomed uh, in, a, in, a, in an amazing way since I kind of latched onto that. And it was important for me to be able to see that. Um, and I think a lot of people just need to kind of realize that. They can't be everything to everyone. They have to hone in on a certain type of market. It's amazing if you are like there's there's like you have you have a you have a coach yourself, mm-hmm. and he's a physique coach, right? mainly physique coach. But there's other ones who are general fat loss coaches, and so it depends on what kind of what metric and what kind of clients you want to hone in on. And the 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 fact that Vicky was looks amazing herself. Uh, it was amazing that I could kind of hone in on that a lot better. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, exactly. That is exactly what you say. I think the first step of creating really engaging content is known as who it is you want to speak to, uh, because you have to refine that message, carve out that message and that content so it resonates with them. Because I believe that when you try and speak to everyone, you connect with no one. So I mean, and it's exactly as you say. I mean, I have a coach myself. Although he is physique driven, he refers to himself as the coach's coach. 
because he doesn't simply talk about how to get people shredded and the best shape of their life. He talks about how it's about complementing your business instead of complicating it. So he helps other personal trainers look after their fitness. Uh, the way I've described it to him is that it's when they are responsible for so, other, for so many other people's health and fitness, they should delegate out that responsibility to someone else to ensure it's still being upheld. Yeah, 100%. And I think if you don't, if you're like, if you're a PT or a coach and you haven't got a coach, you don't believe in coaching. 100%. And I've had probably maybe three coaches in probably about two and a half years for different stages. Like I've had the coach to get me ready for the shoot. I've had the coach to kind of get me holiday ready. And now I have a coach just to kind of get me back into and easing myself back into the gym and kind of just making sure that I'm not like I'm holding myself accountable to someone rather than being a busy fool. Like as you like when you're self-employed, it's so easy just to kind of sit there and do work for work's sake. But I know if I have to get X amount of sessions or try to eat at a regular intervals and holding myself accountable, it allows me to have that locked in and have my non-negotiables three, four times a week, whatever times you're training. And also allows me to get my head clear as well, where I generally get my walking in where my best ideas come from, from my content. And it was out, if I was sitting at a desk all day, my ideas for content wouldn't come from anywhere. Yeah. No, definitely agree. Well, I mean, or as many, we mentioned on that day that when you are working online and you are maybe sitting at your desk, but you're having conversations with clients every single day. Uh, a gym floor personal trainer, I will always say, your best source of content is going to be the conversations you have on the gym floor with your clients. As an online coach, your best source of content is going to be those check-in, those uh, questionnaires that new applicants fill out or the check-in sheets that fill out to say which clients have been struggling with this week, what their wins have been, uh, what they have found more difficult than usual. All these sort of topics that people are struggling with day to day are the exact same topics that... Uh, prospects or potential clients or sometimes i refer to as lurkers people have been sitting in the in the background watching all your content but haven't yet got to the point where they feel confident enough to actually talk to you about what it is that the help they need but the more times you resonate with what they are struggling with what's holding them back from achieving their body confidence goals or their fitness goals uh, means you're taking them one step closer to that dm or that initial contact where they're going to reach out and ask for help yeah, I think a lot of like I've noticed myself like from working on the gym floor to going online, but particularly jerk on the gym floor. I think a lot of PTs and coaches are afraid to actually talk to the general population. They're afraid that they're kind of like now it's a little bit different because of the social distancing. But definitely like if you're talking to someone down the road, it's not about trying to sell them the, the thing on the spot. It's about trying to build a rapport. Like I was talking, I was very lucky to have Phil Lurney on. And he was, if someone had, say, a gym intro, which was something that we had in the gym when a new starter joins the gym. Um, and what Phil Ernie did was he looked at who it was, tried to, he looked up their name on the system or whatever, looked at the photo and kind of went out and made uh, made it his duty to go over and talk to them, saying, looking forward to having a chat with you. And that was going out of his way and going above and beyond. And that was going to be their first impression of the gym. And then forevermore, they would be that would be he'd be the first person in their head when they were looking for PT, and it's not about selling then and there. I think PTs think that like you have to be able to sell and market yourself as a coach, and that's the most important. That's what a big thing. But if you don't have a human side and human entity and human voice to yourself, 
when you're on the gym floor and you're kind of just kind of say right your your squat is rubbish or your some your movement is rubbish and coming coming across is quite condescending people aren't going to buy into that if you can come around and say to someone like do you want to try and do this and bring back potentially bring back your shoulder blades a little bit more lower the way a little bit you look like you're getting you might feel this a little bit more in a gentle way people you'll definitely find that it may not happen in like month two months three months but i guarantee in the longer term you play the longer game your book will be full if you do it that way yeah couldn't agree more because i believe you know and it's the same with anyone working with the self-employed that you build you know time is money that is the only asset that you have which are obviously limited to you you know so the personal tra- some personal trainers and coaches are out there and they're thinking right if i'm, I'm not going to go over and talk to this person if i know i'm not going to sign them up today or yeah. I'm not going to go over and offer them a piece of advice because this advice and experience and knowledge that I have built up over years is my asset. It's They're not getting it for free unless they're going to pay me. But ultimately, as a personal trainer or a coach, you are not selling uh, exercise knowledge. You're not selling nutritional guidelines or anything else because all that information is readily available on social media on the internet and everything else. The perfect squat has been covered on YouTube tens of thousands of times. But the thing is that one pe- one one thing that people cannot get for free is accountability. And for someone to be accountable to you, they need to know who you are. They need to build up that relationship to know that I really like this person and I don't want to let them down. So I'm going to stick to the things that they tell me. I'm going to stick to my training sessions. I'm going to show up on time when they need me to, and I'm not going to take the piss and take them for granted. And I think that is extremely important. The personal trainers understand, and coaches, particularly online coaches as well, know that it's the accountability which is going to bring them the results. 100%. I think you've, you hit the nail on the head there about kind of not taking the piss. Like if you're coming in from a night ace, and you're going and, and you're expecting John and Mary to like, and they're showing up and they're paying you their hard mo- earned money, and you're not coming up in the 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 and in, in good shape. Like you're you're it's your brand, it's your face, mm-hmm. and I think that was like that that definitely happens in the industry, uh, especially when in kind of like I'm a little bit older than I was a little bit late to the game. I was a little bit older than most of the PTs, but I could definitely see in some of the younger ones that they showed up hungover for some of their sessions and they'd be kind of like lurking or slumping in the corner and like it really really hurt. like even my clients could pick up on it mm-hmm. and that also brush that kind of brushes the rest of the pts with that bad uh that that bad name as well that doesn't look great to the rest to the whole pt setup uh either because we're all ultimately on the same gym floor and if one person is kind of letting the side down it's potentially letting the whole group down and i think that's really really important that you are representing the gym you're in but more important you're also representing yourself and yourself is the where the book stops with you in relation how to talk to people how to how you actually interact with people and go on above and beyond um with 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 those clients they have so my, my advice is just don't show up hungover like rule number one mm-hmm. so I mean, obviously now you've moved off the gym floor and you are now solely online. What would you say was the most daunting and fearful part about actually moving online? Solely online? Where, um, the, bit, the, the most daunting part was where were the leads going to kind of come from? At the like, I, I was fortunate enough that I was doing online and face-to-face um, at the beginning and I kind of had a very quick turnaround and said, right, I need to leave 
face to face and I had like a better two week, three week turnaround. And the biggest thing for myself was, right, I need a certain amount of my current face to face clients to go online with myself. So when I mentioned it, to, I, the biggest fear was they're all going to say nothing. But that was a fear that I built up in my head. And I had I, I spoke to them all individually after their kind of probably about two or three weeks notice and said, guys, this is literally what I'm going to do. I'm just trying to try and help more people. And all of them were like, yeah, no problem at all. We're, oh, I've been with you for ages. I know I don't want to stop the, 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 the goals and stuff like that. So I built that up in my head and it was amazing. But when it was more like when I first went and I was sitting at the desk and stuff like that, it was kind of like where are the next kind of bunch coming from. So what I tried to do was I'm lucky enough that the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast is is used as kind of a lead magnet. It's a way for people to buy into me, my opinion, and kind of my either nutrition stuff or my mindset stuff. And that was a way for them to buy into me. So that's why I got the likes of yourself and some big names like Darren and Siobhan Hagen and Sinead Hegarty to come onto the podcast so I can latch on to their audience. Mm -hmm. And if one person potentially latches on to what I've said or a sentence that I have said, they will potentially further down the line either give you a follow and then they'll follow you for a little while and hide in the background or lurkers, as you have said. And then one thing I did at the very, very beginning was, it was one thing that Mark Coles taught me, was go out of your way for the first few people. And when you first go online, the new followers come in, or they send them a voice note saying, thank you so much for follow. If there's any questions that you may have, feel free to pop me a message or just write it out. But I felt that the voice message was just buying a little bit more into you. And I found that even if you were sending, say, 50 to 100 of those, I got probably, out of, say, those 50, I probably got about 15 clients out of it. So nearly one in three have have bought into, have bought some sort of package off me in the last little while. And that's only from January and we're at like August now. Excellent. Excellent. And then almost sort of, you'd say it about obviously about the podcast and well, it works as a lead magnet and stuff. When you moved online, then how did your like social media content change? How did you sort of, did you change tact in it in any way to sort of know that, I mean, obviously while you work on the gym floor, the vast majority of inquiries are probably going to come from people that see you on the gym floor. Uh, and you are almost limited to attracting customers either from that gym floor or people on the gym floor and their friends and family who they may talk about you beyond. But when you move online, you are almost coming into the largest overserved market within the industry in that you are now in direct competition with almost every other online coach out there. So how did you pivot your content? Uh, well, what, what did you do first? Did it work? What worked well and just sort of what helped you then achieve that transition from gym floor to online? I think the biggest thing at the beginning was I was just throwing content out for content's sake. And I look back at it now, it's kind of like this post makes absolutely no sense. And it was very, very generic. I wasn't talking to anyone. And then after talking to someone else in the industry, they were like, why don't you try and tweak this around? And then I started putting out, I could see that the algorithm shift had happened on Instagram and people were more latching on to kind of quotes or the text style mm -hmm. um, with, alongside with images. So if you have an image of yourself or you coaching a client and having a quote or something like that on it, people were looking at that because if you if you have your phone in your hand and you know when you're on Instagram, you're literally scrolling through stories, you're literally scrolling through uh, the feed for the, for the for argument's sake but if there's something's kind of catching your eye or there's a picture of say Vicky and I 
that's kind of eye it's kind of eye catching as well. The other thing that I changed an awful lot was also the fear in my head was putting myself up out in stories. And we were talking about this the other day about showing up on stories kind of most days. I don't do it every single day. Don't get me wrong, but I would, I've made it a more conscious effort to try and put myself out in stories, trying to kind of celebrate more of my clients' wins, screenshots of text if they allow it, putting out more transformations, putting as, as the client, as the business has got bigger, I've got more transformations, asking clients for video referrals, asking clients for referrals full stop, not in written, but in, vi- in video because people buy into emotion. And if they can see people that's actually willing to put themselves out there and make create a video for themselves, they will buy into that that coach. And what I found since those videos have been put out through an app that you recommended or a website you recommended, Video Ask, that a lot more, a hell of a lot more referrals are coming through. Like if someone has a good experience, it's going to be spread a hell of a lot more. Um, and people will talk. And in particular, ladies, they talk an awful lot. And it was definitely important for for those that particularly if they weren't in the gym it was like and people were kind of tagging me in their stuff as well if they were doing home workouts and that kind of brought in more people as well so you can ask you can ask your clients to do that as well if you want i'm sure it must be the same for yourself in order to kind of get referrals and and build a business for yourself yeah do you know uh very much it's, it's kind of funny in that obviously as a content creator and i get a lot of pictures of other people but I have always, in the last few years, I've always differed away from just rather just simply providing the visuals that I want to provide the people I work with with a wee bit more context and preparation about how they can use those visuals and integrate them, integrate them into their social media so they get the maximum turn on uh, on their investment and their their time. That rather than simply, and it is very much as you say, and I like that you the comment that you used and that you know, create posting content for the sake of posting content and just showing up every single day. Uh, but I've tried to go down the tact of adding a wee bit more value that's simply almost to the point that this is how I do it. Setting the example, uh, whether it be lifestyle imagery, I have been the last few years trying to promote lifestyle lifestyle imagery within the fitness industry, and it is really starting to take off in that it allows you to talk about the challenge and obstacles your clients face outside the gym, rather than just always posting gym imagery. So it allows you to broaden that spectrum of conversation that you can have with them. Uh, and to do that, then I just, I, I used lifestyle imagery of myself and it allowed me to talk about multiple different topics and stuff. I always put, I started getting more images of me with my, with my clients post shoot and stuff and show me like clients look reviewing photos in the back of the camera and stuff to show that personal side. So almost I've tried to demonstrate through my own content, how, uh, personal trainers, online coaches and other personal brands can actually grow their own using the same examples. Yeah, no, it is. It's it's definitely it's buying into like I've been I've been definitely watching your stories for a long time now, and you've definitely from when I first did the the fitness photo shoot with yourself to more the lifestyle stuff with you like a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. There's definitely been a shift in how you've definitely marketed yourself, and like even surprising us um, by getting us to talk on your stories as well. Yeah. Um, and that's that's definitely unique. And a lot of people don't like talking in the camera. It was like, Shane, here's the camera. And it was kind of like sink or swim. And I kind of like that as well because it shows that it's not scripted. It shows that it's not manufactured. And it's actually, this is a human and 
oh, everyone can do this. doesn't matter if you're a PT or not. I think that's a massive, massive thing. And that's a massive credit to yourself on that regard, making everyone feel so easy when, they're do- when they are doing the shoots. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing that uh, people always ask me is why I... Well, I, I, I'm like a natural when I do my stories and, I, and it is, that is far from the truth. Uh, the big revelation for me was when I stopped caring what people thought about what I did in my stories. I really just stopped, forgive my language. It's a game changer. Yeah, I stopped giving a fuck. And about the thing is, I believe when you want, if you'd want to do more stories, the best thing in my opinion for you to do is stop caring what people might think about it. Stop caring what your peers in the industry may think about it. Stop thinking what friends and family may think about it because if they haven't invested in you yet, they probably won't. Uh, and if you want them to invest in them, the best way to do it is just go ahead and prove your, your business's results. So the best thing to do is not worry about messing up doing a story. Simply that if you do get a word wrong, like in any conversation, you don't stop the whole conversation and restart it again. No, you just continue on and ignore it. It creates real content that people know that it's not spit and polished. It's not a big production and it connects with them a lot more. And ultimately, the biggest benefit is when you, I mean, one of the most fears about recording a story, an Insta story, is that you're going to have to stop and repeat it over and over and over again. And it's that fear and those nerves that make you mess up in the first place. So when you go into an Insta story, knowing that even if you mess up, you're just going to continue on, get the story finished and then post it you're less likely to mess up anyway. And even sometimes when I do, I just go and move on and continue on. And funny, those are the ones I get the most reaction from. One thing I do, one thing I don't do is watch my stories back. I just, as soon as it's recorded, I'll upload it and that's it. I'll not go back because I will always probably find some fault or something I could have said differently and everything else not. And it just creates that procrastination of do I go back and do the whole thing again, which again relates that realness that sort of comes across a wee bit. I think you've hit the nail on the head about not caring what other people think because I think that holds a hell of a lot of people back. And I think it amongst PTs and fitness coaches and all that kind of stuff in particular, yeah. like you have to realize that unless you're kind of like a bodybuilding coach or a physique coach, more often than not, a PT is not going to buy off you in the first place. So your stories and your content probably isn't aimed at that. And I've definitely seen that I've I've kind of muted my feed of some of the PTs that I thought that I was kind of looking up to, but looking up to looking up to them for the wrong reason in that what they were looking like mm-hmm. rather than buying into them as a person. And there's nothing against those people. But I found that the people who I wanted to follow and doing a social media audit and kind of that definitely had a massive, massive impact on my mental health. Um, but it was also, especially with the podcast, I remember starting the podcast in particular, that there was an awful lot of bite back from the PTs. And I've, I've said this on a couple of podcasts, that there was an awful lot of bite back at the very beginning saying, what Shane, why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you feeling that you can do this? And I, those same people I can see now have started a podcast during lockdown. And I've got, I've got messages from those people two years ago, kind of slating the podcast and comments and stuff like that. And I kind of use that as fuel. So sometimes you can use it as a fuel to kind of say, right, this is what I want to do. I'm doing this for me. Those people who are potentially naysaying aren't going to turn out to be clients they you have to think of it like that the people that are going to turn out to clients as you said are going to end up watching your stories they want the human side they probably potentially want the mistakes like you have said and it's interesting to see that you don't listen back to your stories i listen back to mine because i type in kind of captions underneath 
Um, and I know you do that at the very end of yours. So if, say if you've got like four stories, you put in like a synopsis at the very end or summary at the very, very end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that I need to just kind of have that underneath because some people are just listening to it on mute or they're just watching them on mute and they're just kind of flying by. But if something kind of tickles their fancy and what you're saying and stuff like that, like yesterday I put up a client story or a client um, testimonial about someone who's recovered from, from amenorrhea or lost their cycle. And I kind of got quite emotional on the last story. And that's the first time I've ever shown emotion on a, that wasn't laughter on a story and the messages I've got back. So it's interesting to, to hear that like for you, it was the ones that you have potentially made a bit of a tit of yourself on the story and kind of just gone blah, blah, blah. But I found that that was the first time the other day when I kind of showed a bit of emotion that a lot more people were kind of, messaging so that showed me that that human side people will buy into the human side even more and that was the first time i probably felt that in since i started this which was which was interesting yeah you know one thing i always find that one well one thing that we mentioned about it was that when you almost laugh at your own expense on your content or in your stories it always resonates really well with people because it shows that you're not up your own backside that you don't take yourself too seriously you know you're not you know, too arrogant or anything else like that. But what you'd said there reminded me of a few years ago when I was going through just the transitional period of my own self-development of sort of changing who the person I was before and dealing with who it was I was becoming now. And I now realize that that's an ongoing journey the whole time. But it was, you know, I'd been this, I'd, I'd been in my comfort zone for a long, long time. And I did one or two posts talking about mental health, not offering like great advice or anything, just basically sharing my own thoughts and feelings and just putting that honestly out there. And I remember it got a lot of reaction, it got interaction with people and support and things like that. And I think the real reason the two things there that work really well is because of the honesty, like a humility post, as I refer to it sometimes. So either if it's just making a laugh of yourself and not taking yourself too seriously or just being completely honest about the things that you struggle with shows your humanity. It shows that you are not something out there because my one bug to bear with social media at the minute is, is people continually believe that they have to paint this picture of perfection and almost place themselves on a pedestal. But I'm always a believer that when you place yourself on a pedestal, all you're going to do is create resentment and people are just going to throw stones at you. Uh, So for me, being completely honest, who you are within your content may switch some people off. And and there's nothing wrong with this. I mean, you cannot be there for absolutely everyone. So why not just be there for the people that resonate you more and those that that do want your help? But one thing I've been saying recently is do not waste your time trying to help people who refuse to help themselves. So if someone's going to push back at anything that you're doing, and this will sort of lead me back into what you were saying earlier on of the personal trainers that asked you why you were doing a podcast. The, the people are pushing back against why you're doing that for and question everything that you're doing. It's the same goes first they ask why, then they ask how demonstrate answer those questions by demonstrating the results so demonstrate the results that within your business if you want to impress someone of your peers your family members or anything else don't explain to them why you're doing something show them the outcome of why of what happens when you do it 
and then they'll come round the back and then whether they're ready to be convinced and get on board or not, like you'd said about the personal trainers who have went and started podcasts, or if indeed it's working out naysayers or people that are sitting on the fence, whether to work with you, when you demonstrate results, when you show them why the, the outcome of what you have been doing, that is when you will make them, you will turn them from uh, people that are sitting on the fence to believers in who you are and potentially clients. There was two massive lines in that, what you've just said there, but you can't be something to everyone, which was a major, major shift. You have to have, you have to hone in on a certain thing, whether it be weight loss or a female weight loss or male weight loss or whatever it may be. And also what you've said there about perfection and striving for perfection every time. People buy into people, people don't buy into these well well-oiled machines and stuff like that and you can see it from potentially like the influencers stuff influencers and stuff like that they people are waiting for them to slip up people are waiting for to, to bite when they slip up or say something or say something on a, on a message and waiting for kind of like to create some sort of stir um in order to kind of like feel almost better about themselves and that's not a nice thing to do and i don't like the way social media is is that way they're almost the people who are potentially up on pedestals, we're waiting for them to fall. And I don't like that whole thing um, at all. Um, I'd be interested in your take on when you're talking about kind of putting yourself up on stories and stuff like that. What are your thoughts about creating content on IGTV? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you have an audience that's willing to sit down and listen to longer than 15 30 seconds worth of content on your Insta stories. You can experiment and take them a wee bit longer. You know, if it's going to start moving into two minutes or so and posting then, you know, eight separate clips of you doing stories on your Instagram, you, I mean, one thing that I would do and I resonate sometimes with is when I'm checking the views on my Insta stories based on like a, a lengthy video, I check to see just how engaging it is based on the amount of views from the first one compared to the last one. Now, yeah. I know if I post loads of food pics, my engagement stays high because everyone likes looking at food. But I know if I go on to have a hard-hitting piece about content creation, I know, that, I know that all my followers are not personal trainers and coaches. I know there's people just follow me just to see the food pics from time to time. And uh, I know then when the, when the content comes on about content creation for personal trainers or coaches or personal businesses, that people are just like, right, that's not for me. That's not the side of Martin I want to see. I'm just going to flick on here to this tell you post another picture of his dinner. Happy days. Uh, but then it allows, so I always expect that drop of interaction between those types of posts. But then you could look at those. I mean, if, for example, then you are starting to put on longer topics. There are topics you want to cover in a wee bit more detail, a wee bit more length but you are retaining those view numbers from the first one to the last one, then yeah, I would recommend then you potentially move on to IGTV because it is an easier format for you to create your content because you're not having to worry about stopping the video at one minute, but make sure that it cuts in on the, 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 the four 15 second time, time there. Uh, you can put it on. It's going to stay more visible for a while and stuff. It's going to pick up more comments and things that are going to show below it and everything else like that. And, it, and at the minute, I believe algorithms get, getting it a wee bit more of a priority. Uh, so <laughs> apologies, that is quite a long answer to your question. But I guess the, the long story short is if you are getting people engaging with your stories and the longer content, then yeah, definitely move to IGTV as well for some of those juicier ones. Yeah, no, I was just, I, I kind of just more interested from like a, a content creation side, for, like from someone that 
I respect a lot in the industry and stuff like that. It's the IGTV is it's it, as you said, it's you will have to look at your stats a little bit more, but also try not to get bogged too bogged down in the stats because you can do kind of like uh paralysis by analysis sometimes. I think if you are kind of just spending it's hard when you're looking at it, kind of like I know when I first started like looking at the amount of followers and stuff that were coming in and the amount of losses you, you would kind of start to take it personally and I rarely ever look at the amount of followers and stuff like that you've we've kind of spoken about not needing or that's not necessarily needing a massive following in order to kind of have a some sort of business what's your take on that oh yeah I mean it's been well documented you know the uh can't remember the article now you know 1000 true followers and ultimately yeah you don't need 100,000 followers to convert because as we mentioned already about the knowing exactly about the type of people you want to work with it's almost that's the audience you want to build you want to build an audience that is or a following let's say that is particularly your target market there's absolutely no point attracting people to your audience or your following that are never going to invest in you. Now, there is always the potential that someone will come in and follow you and you're not necessarily for them, but they may ask someday, may have a conversation with someone day to say that, you know, I'm thinking about investing in a coach and they'll say, well, I watch this guy. He's great. Go check him out and they'll refer you over. But that being said, then that is, if that person is willing to recommend you, potentially they are a true follower they are a true fan in that they believe in what you do but you may not necessarily give them what they need but they do know someone who does need what you do so it's about you know making sure that you know if there's no point creating content to put it out in front of eyes that don't want to see you if that makes sense yeah, no, that makes sense. And what's your thoughts of kind of like having content planned or having content just coming off the cuff? Like, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I like to do Insta story. Sometimes I will get just an idea pop in my head. For example, uh, similar to what we did that day of your shoot was we were having a conversation. Again, it refers back to the, you know the ideas of your content coming from your clients. Um, we were having a conversation about someone. I thought, you know what, I can go and do a story about that right now. So rather than try and remember it, write it down for later, post it up and everything else. It's like, let's just get on, do that on those stories and that will work for me. But then I do plan some of uh, my content as well. Uh, I have a Word document that's got hundreds of post titles in it. Most of you know, ones I have posted, ones I haven't posted yet. And if I'm listening, if I'm working on the computer editing, if I'm on seminars, webinars, or anything else like that. If I get any ideas, I just bring up that Word document, throw in a couple of lines referring a post, and then I know I can go back to it. Uh, I know like a lot of people in the industry can sit and spend between half an hour and an hour to do one post. Now, if you yeah. think, uh, if you know that you, what your hourly rate is and say it's you know 30 pounds or 40 euros an hour on the average within the industry, you're potentially each post that you do is potentially cost you 30 pounds or 40 euros. So if you, and you know that no one is necessarily fortunate enough to know for a fact that for every post that they post, they get a client off the back of it. So when you know you're allowing it to take so long and complicated, you do need to sit down and think out the ways to try and make it as efficient as possible. 
So one of the ways I would recommend is Facebook has now created the, the Creator Studio, which is a scheduling uh, facility within Facebook, which allows you to use hashtags and tag clients, tag whoever it is you need, rather than having to use all the third party ones like, you know, uh, oh, I can't remember them now. Uh, Hootsuite. Hootsuite and stuff, yeah. So it's there. So essentially, I mean, you can allocate out an hour or two at the weekend, for example, create five to six posts when you're in that right mindset, get those scheduled to go out at the time you get the most interaction or your following is most active and then just walk away and leave it. Then all you need to do is pop in once or twice a day and reply to any comments or any topics that may have risen off the battery. That for me will prevent, will prevent you within your business a lot of freedom rather than all of a sudden getting through busy sessions all day or sitting in front of the computer doing loads of check-ins and all of a sudden realize, Christ, I haven't posted today. I better get something done. And then that's when you create that content for content's sake, as you said. And did you ever kind of struggle from kind of like a guilt of not kind of posting anything? Because I think a lot of people, I, I know when I first started posting up on Instagram, it was definitely like content for content's sake. And it was kind of like an almost a little bit of a guilt thing for not kind of showing up. But I'd, also, I'd almost like rather go quiet for two or three days now and kind of say, right, I'd rather have a, a post or a client testimonial or something in, in the background that I'd be ready to kind of say on a Monday or a Tuesday, ready to go. Did you ever struggle from that whole guilt of not posting? I do. And I, I, I did in the last day or two, but I, oh, really? I, and this is almost an omission on my part because I believe that I have to set an example. If I'm trying to encourage people to be more visible on social media, then surely I have to be visible every single day. And to the fact that I always promote having professional images sitting there should make that process a lot easier. And obviously I have a lot of images, you know, even to the point, it could quite simply be me just posting an image and saying, here's a picture of my client from a client shoot last week. Uh, but it is something I struggle with and I don't struggle with. Uh, it's only at sort of different times and how I see what's exactly going on in my business and stuff. I know when I post regularly, I know if I post twice a day, my inquiries increase. I know that the bookings will increase off the back of it. But that being said, it has to be done when the other elements of the business are still being served. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think that makes an awful lot of sense. And it's interesting to see that you've noticed that trend down that you've noticed that if you post twice a day, potentially inquiries go go up and stuff like that. But have you have you kind of changed your the way you've done it in that relation to kind of call to actions at the end of your posts or on your stories or anything like that? Because I think an awful lot of there's different there's different books and different research on having call to actions at the end of posts and stories and stuff. But have you noticed a, an increase since you started putting them on the end of your on your posts? Yeah, one hundred percent. One saying I love is that no one is above selling because even God has salesmen. If the <laughs> and all-powerful still needs people to stand in a church and praise how good he is, then surely everyone else should be ready to promote themselves. And, and almost, even he has followers. Yeah. <laughs> and even to the point that I believe, particularly within the fitness industry, well, the creator industry, is that people believe that their work should do the talking for them. And to an extent, it really does. Because no one has ever approached me and asked me what qualifications I have in photography, marketing, and anything else, because I don't. But yet I have the proof. It is visible. It's there. It's all over my social media of the visuals that I can create. And that is what attracts me clients. 
but you do need to be able to promote the benefits of what you do and why people should work with you. Uh, it's like someone has someone said to me recently, do you know what? My business sells itself. My question was, are you fully booked? And he said, no. I says, well, it's not selling as good as you think it is then. Do you know? So it's a fact of if you take these results and you sell them a wee bit more. One way that works really well for me and anyone that I've described this with has always taken it away positively is to use the three P's principle. People, pain, and promise. So people, as in who it is you want to help. Pain, what is it they're currently struggling with? Then promise, how is it you can help them overcome it? So that for me is the blueprint that I would use for any type of content that I would create. So from my, from my perspective, it's like, who do I want to work with? I want to work with online coaches who have a good solid client base, but are ready to increase the amount of clients they work with. They're ready to include increase the service, the quality of the service they provide. What's their problem? You know, they maybe don't know how to do it through their content. They don't know how to dial into the client that they have, or they don't have enough professional imagery to really promote themselves as a high-end service. So how, what's my promise? Well, what I can do is I can provide you with the professional imagery that will get you noticed, but also then help you create the content, which is going to allow you to dial in exactly who you want to work with. So it will resonate directly to them and it will make you stand out amongst the noise of social media. So again, that's how I would use the three P's principle, the people, the pain and the promise. I think it is you like you have to imagine if your client was sitting in front of you, what do they want to hear? What do they want to see? What is their pain point? I think it's an incredible book, Building a Story Brand uh by donald miller which is really good if people are looking to how to how to hone in on building that side of things and how to make it more about the customer and the audience rather than just being seen as the the brand you're ultimately what's going to build your brand is the likes of referrals what's going to build the brand is the likes of the customers it's not going to be you you'll do the donkey work in the background but if you can't get like referrals or if you can't guess because they're like referrals are free and i think so many people are like oh, i i'm going to spend a fortune on, on like facebook ads or instagram ads or whatever it may be when you could be kind of asking your clients for referrals mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the biggest things that i've seen in the industry as well that are people are afraid to ask for those have you ever been afraid of kind of asking for that as well uh earlier on then yeah but I think that sort of comes along with that sort of imposter syndrome sort of idea and that you don't believe, you know, you have to believe in your service if you want other people to believe in. Again, you have to be ready to invest time, money and effort into your service if you want other people to invest in it. You know, so the imposter syndrome comes at the start, but one line that my mentor Phil told me recently was that imposters don't get imposter syndrome. Imposters don't give a shit whether their service provides or not. They don't care whether it's worth the money. They don't care whether people actually go off and tell their friends about it because they're just in it for the quick, easy book. So almost when you do have imposter syndrome, it shows that you care about the level of your service and you are committed to making it as good as possible. So for me, often, you just need to lean in and embrace the imposter syndrome. It's an opportunity for yourself to create feedback 
or whether you're doing enough to provide and get the results that you want for you and your clients. Uh, does that answer your question? No, that definitely made that 100% makes sense. And I think the next next problem a lot of coaches have, and I think people have in general with kind of business stuff is the whole guilt over price. That's a massive, massive problem that are like, I know, like I was talking to probably one of the busiest uh, PTs in one of the old gyms that I, I, I used to work in. And he's still, I feel he's like, he's in a, an affluent enough area in Dublin where he could definitely be charging more, but he's more prepared to run himself into the ground for the sake of maybe potentially charging 10 euro or less when he could potentially be doing like two or three less sessions a day. And I kind of like asked him in a, in a, cause he's, he's making the move online now and trying to do the two of them now and having no balance. Mm-hmm. And the, the price thing is a massive, massive thing for a lot of PTs that they just don't value themselves. Have you, have you found that yourself and have you found that with kind of talking to PTs and coaches on a daily basis? Yeah. Talk, I mean, I, I see it from two perspectives, uh, talking to both PTs and coaches, but also, uh, talking to other creators within the industry. And the two perspectives I see it from is that there's people can sell a t-shirt for five pounds and someone can sell the same t-shirt with a logo on it for 500 pounds. The only difference is the perceived value that you can create in your client's eyes. So again, it goes back to what we said earlier on about the, being able to promote the benefits of your service. But again, you need to be able to back those benefits up with the results thereafter. But there's one story I absolutely love that always reminds me and gives me great context with regards to pricing and things. That you know, a lot of trainers work off this idea that my hourly rate is this. There's a story, and I can't remember which book it came from, that says Pablo Picasso uh, was sitting in a cafe many years ago in his 70s, and he was just doodling on a napkin. A woman was watching him attentively, uh, attentively as he was doodling on the napkin. As soon as he finished his coffee, he got the lead, he went to scrumple the napkin up. She rushed over and said, and begged him, can I have the napkin? Can I have the napkin? And he looked at her and says, yeah, for 50,000. And she turned around to him and says, 50,000, but it only took you 10 minutes. He says, no, it took me 70 years. Because the only reason she wanted the napkin was of who he was. And who he was was the accumulation of 70 years worth of experience, time, slave and effort. So as either a creator or a personal trainer or online coach, your hourly rate is not based on from this time to this time. Your hourly rate is based on every single hour you have sacrificed towards your craft or your trade from the day you started working towards that. It's based on every single hour that you have sacrificed away from friends and family. All those times you spent learning, all those times that you have invested your own money into being a better provider of your service. So your hourly rate is actually based on every single part of your life right up to that moment, not just between 12 to 1 or 2 to 3. That I think helpful? that's I think the Picasso story I've I've heard that before. Um but it's it's an incredible thing like I think like you have to like when you're doing your PT course or you're doing education it probably takes or your nutrition course for example it probably takes you about a couple of years to do that. It probably takes your PT course probably about three four months whatever it may be or could be less depending on the course but then also the reading and stuff like that you're doing outside it's the it's the 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 drawing up the programs it's it's the whatsapp contact it's all that kind of stuff that people don't charge they only charge for that say 45 to 60 minutes they don't charge for the outside work that they're necessarily doing and i think that was the biggest 
when that kind of came into my head and when I realized that it was it was an absolute game changer and I think that would be my one of my biggest pieces of advice to anyone who's a PT listening to this would be to make sure that you are valuing yourself because if you don't value yourself why would you expect anyone else to value yourself or value and, you and it can come down to the fact of whether you believe that you have invested enough time and effort into improving your service to warrant a price increase you know i know i had a conversation with a lot of personal trainers coming out of lockdown and my question was should i go back to the gym floor or should i stay online and my one question to them was in the last 12 months where have you worked harder to improve your service online or on the gym floor and a lot of them come back and says online i've, I've put more effort into improving my online service he says well that's answering your questions for you you know, as you will know, this one where your attention goes, your energy flows. Not Mr. Paul Morton loves it. He says that <laughs> one all the time, but I am a big believer in it as well. So for the context of those people, it's, you know, when you work towards one particular element of your business, you know, that is the element you want to grow. Not only that, then when you know you have worked on the quality of your service as a whole, then you know it deserves to get paid more. The more time, the more effort, the more investment you put into that service, the more investment you should get back. So those potentially sometimes struggle with a price increase are doing so because maybe they don't believe they deserve to get the money they're already getting. And it almost takes us back to something similar from earlier, the quality of the personal trainer or the service that they're providing. You can get an online qualification within the fitness industry in the space of a couple of weeks and go in and start charging 40 euros over 40 euros an hour and generate yourself an, a, a yearly income more than a doctor who has to do five six years of medical training and probably run up 50 to 100 grand worth of medical or educational bills and then have to go out and start working 60 hour weeks so yeah I if you, I mean, the thing is that option is there within the industry, but you will get exposed at some point. You only have a, you will have a, you will have a lifespan, lifespan. If you go into this solely for the money and to make the easy money, you will have a lifespan because you can only sell shit once. And people will see you for what you are. But the thing is, if you want to scale your business, if you want to have an incredible impact on more and more lives, then you are going to have to invest in it. And one big thing within the fitness industry, we spoke about accountability earlier on. It's not just a personal accountability for me, it's financial accountability. You know, to put it as an example, if someone earns 200 grand a year, if someone earns like 50,000 pounds a month, if they're, only getting, if they're only being charged 10 pounds an hour by their PT and they're feeling not really bothered about going to a session tonight, they are not going to worry about losing that 10, 10 euros or 10 pounds. So almost the value that you provide to your almost has to be brought into context of keeping your client financially accountable as well. Does that make sense? That makes an awful lot of sense. And you mentioned accountability again there. I think, that, I think for yourself, you've mentioned your mentor. You've mentioned Phil, uh, Phil Grant, if anyone's listening. Um, but I think... I think a lot of PTs are afraid to do that as well. And then they're, and then some PTs, when they do go online, they're so quick to buy into that 10X business 
rubbish mm-hmm. that's out there as well, which I think is is just it's shameful. Some of it, like if you are going to get a mentor, there's there's some like there's some very very good names in Ireland, some very very good names over in the UK, but it's also about doing your homework on which ones suit you. I've, I've I know people that have like yourself who have worked with Phil and have made amazing businesses, and but the biggest thing that they behind it was that they wanted to grow and they actually care what they do and actually like what they do. If you're if you're not, if you're in this to make money all well and good but what's going to make you stand out is actually showing empathy and actually caring and actually talking to humans like they're humans and not that they're being a billy boot camp and screaming at them down on dms or whatever it may be yeah i mean let's be honest we do need money money is a great facilitator if you're only in it for the money uh to serve yourself and keep as much money from that without having to put it back into your business again your business is only going to have a short lifespan uh, when you can make money more more from your business, you can then invest more back into your business, potentially growing your business and scaling your business, but also then creating freedom within your business that you can delegate out aspects of that so you're no longer having to do the 40, 50 hour startup, startup hours. You can start to work that down. And not only that, then you can start working with a higher level of client. Uh, so it's about valuing who you are uh kind of lost my train of thought here but yeah it's i mean and this is one thing for me is investing back in your business getting a mentor a mentor that's going to basically teach you that providing a better service and putting your client at the center of everything that you do and the results is what is going to have the greatest impact on you scaling and then achieving your own life or business goals from it Big time. I think, I think, yeah. And I, you also have to find someone that if you want to run a business rather than a hobby, as Paul Mort, Paul Mort would say, um, because I think a lot of people, PTs in particular, see it as a hobby. They enjoy training, but you have to almost run it as a business and value yourself and what the amount of effort and time that you put into your service. That's if you are putting that much effort and time into it, like you're saying you're doing. But it's important to be able to also put your money back in and not be afraid like we're all looking for guarantees when we run a business that things are going to work i probably learn more than from my mistakes and the actual success 100%. like like if you put out a facebook ad or an instagram ad or whatever it may be it like they they may not work but you learn something from either the text or the picture or something like that could have been different and then the next time you'll get it right or it could be the next time after that yes it could be a couple of hundred euro down then the drain but it's that it costs you 200 euro or 300 euro or even 100 euro to make that mistake rather than staying where you are and not making say i don't know a couple of grand off the ad that actually worked so you have to think of about that time and stop looking for guarantees like running a business is not easy do not get me wrong it's the most fulfilling thing that's been that's happened for me from someone who worked in corporate like i've always had targets and stuff like that but it's it makes you try harder but it also because it's your name and it's your brand, it makes you almost care a little bit more. I, I'm not sure. I I could be speaking out of from my own experience. I'm not sure how you feel about that. No, one hundred percent. You know, a bit of context in my backstory. I spent eighteen years working for a government job. I believe for a long time I'd hit my ceiling. I'd kind of run out of motivation to apply myself anymore. Was just coasting through day to day with not much enthusiasm. And 
then this uh, this presented its opportunity. What started off as a hobby then became a pet hobby. Then I realized that this was this this was my opportunity to take advantage of a skill set. Then I had started to develop and an opportunity to provide me with the chance to create a much better life, not just for for me but also for my family and most importantly for them for my daughter. Because I my main aim and why is that I want to create. A potential life that offers her more opportunities than anything that came before. Right? With most parents, they want their children to have a better life than they've had. So the way I see it is the better life I create for me, the higher the standard and the higher I'm setting the bar for her. But I will be there to set the challenges and provide the support that she needs along the way. Yeah, I think that I think definitely think that from talking to who I've worked with, like even if you talk to like the likes of Paul Morse, he would say the exact same thing. He didn't have an amazing childhood, but he tries to make the experiences that his kids have and their lifestyle and stuff like that change and be much better than he had. So that they'll they'll potentially bring those values onto the next generation and continue and continue and continue mm-hmm. rather than potentially having the 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 the, the the kind of the the childhood and stuff that he potentially had uh marty i'm gonna ask where can people find out about yourself and where can people book in for kind of the shoots and stuff like that and have you any words of wisdom for someone that potentially is a little bit sitting on the fence when it comes to kind of doing a photo shoot okay uh well you can get me on facebook or instagram at martin irvine photography uh one thing then, if it is if it is just a personal shoot and you're just thinking of embarking on your own fitness journey and your transformation, uh, know that I honestly believe that the journey is more important than the destination. Uh, what the shoot will do for you is provide incredible motivation and accountability that will keep you training and keep you taking the right choices to get you to that point. But I will be a realist and turn around and say that when you get to that point, you may realize it is not necessarily what you wanted. But as we've already said, then that means you found the path you don't need to go down and the sooner you find you're on the wrong path the sooner you can get yourself onto the right one uh if it is with regards to your business then if you have been on the fence about whether to invest in visuals for your business i believe that professional businesses deserve professional imagery uh Delegating out aspects of your content to make it more quicker and more efficient, i.e. getting a photo shoot that means then you have access to a Dropbox link with over potentially 30 images sitting there that you can access at any one particular time. It's going to save you a lot of time, fear and procrastination. Then I believe you do it. Uh, the investing in just one single shoot can and will generate you more financial return on that than what you've actually paid in. Because ultimately, all you need to do from from if a professional shoot that provides you with thirty images in your content cannot generate you more than one client, then there is something drastically wrong. Uh, but again, this is the route that I go down with my clients: is that rather than just providing them with the, the visuals and the imagery, that I provide you with the contacts and provide you with the support. Then that's going to help you put those visuals into your content, and then create them in a way that's going to generate more interaction from your perfect client. Does that yeah, I think, you've hit, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. If you can't make it work with, you have to look at your content if it, if you can't make it back from the, the money that you're putting into the, the photo shoot and stuff like that. And it's not, it's not incredibly expensive. Like if you get one client 
it's going to pay for itself mm-hmm. and that's the way i had that's the way i've looked that's the, the the mindset shift i've had like if i look at something as an investment rather than an expense and how can i make the return on it, or what do i need to make a return on it it's been an absolute game changer and that's why i've gone to to martin twice now and i've got clients going to him for for shoots in the next kind of couple of months um hopefully if lockdown 2.0 doesn't happen but uh that's their goals anyway so you know, i i success leaves clues if you look at those industry leaders that you look up to and you aspire to be like look at the steps that they've went down they didn't wait to invest in their business until they were successful no they are successful because they did invest in their business there are no shortcuts i do believe and i've said this before and it kind of gets people's backs up a wee bit that if you want to take shortcuts and always take the cheapest option within your fitness business you better be prepared to be the cheap, the cheapest pt in your gym yeah because people will see when you take shortcuts or try to do things the easy route yeah 100 percent. you have to you have to be prepared to invest in yourself and then once you invest in yourself have that belief in order to charge what you're worth like if you're going to put in two or three grand into a nutrition course and you've taken a year and you've nearly burned yourself out doing it you better be prepared to to be able to charge on that extra say 10 15 or even five pounds extra onto your sessions and be able to get that back over time uh, but you better like if you are investing yourself properly and doing the proper course that can help your clients rather than kind of just doing like i don't know a functional mobility course when you're dealing with someone that doesn't necessarily need it well you have just just invest in yourself properly is is basically my advice yeah i mean most as with most businesses in particular the fitness industry are built off the back of results invest in areas which are going to provide you and your clients better results because when you overserve your current clients they will market for you they will tell all their friends and family how incredible you are and your service is so if you're deciding where to invest invest in areas that are either going to create you freedom or going to improve the quality of your service so by creating freedom within your business allows you to focus more on the aspects of your business that serve your business better do you know put it this way uh, fitness or personal trainers and coaches do not get paid for creating content they get paid for providing the support and the accountability to their clients that ensure they achieve their fitness or their body confidence goals 100 percent you've hit the you've hit the nail on the head there like like it's a service and i think people just need to see things as an investment Mm -hmm. rather than an expense and seeing that it's kind of like throwing money away when it when it ultimately isn't i think it's when even when people get coaches you have to be able to say right i'm unhappy where i am i need to change something in my life whether it's trying to lose weight you need to be prepared to say right i have I, I'm, I've been struggling with this for so long and what's going to change? Like I'm unhappy now. How can I potentially change something? How can I feel more confident in my own skin? How can I get the beach body or get ready for my wedding and look amazing? If you don't have the skills or, you, or you've been frustrated with dieting all your life and stuff like that, and so many people that come to me have been doing like the likes of Slim World and Weight Watchers and stuff like that, have been yo-yo dieting for all their life. And then once they're, they're given the simple, simple tools, a penny drops mm-hmm. and they they'll be like this is the the best thing that they've spent their money on and it may have only been for 10 or 12 weeks or whatever it may be but they've they feel happier they feel more content they've got more energy and also if you've got kids and stuff like that is it leads 
to them by example as well that you're you're looking after yourself you're putting yourself first you're eating wholesome decent food you're not tired all the time you're not out of breath when you're walking up the stairs and it's really really important that people see it that way and latch onto that 100 as you said the 10 to 12 weeks when you can instill the knowledge that someone can then take away and apply for years and years to come then you are providing a service bingo yeah you, you yeah 100 like if, if you're going to be one of these kind of like short-term kind of like if you're looking for a six-week diet or eight-week diet then potentially i am not the coach for you if you're looking to change habits and be able to kind of maintain the the the, the body that you're looking for and feel better in your clothes and have more energy and be be you back to where you were and stuff like that and understand a few basics on nutrition and stuff like that well then i'm i'm a coach for you but like there are other there, there's other people that kind of fit the foot fit other bills um and that's the biggest thing i've learned is i cannot be uh, everything to everyone some people will latch on to that some people want quick wins but it took you a while to put the weight on so it's going to potentially take a little longer or it may take a little while to take it off as well and people as soon as people realize that it's it the penny drops in their head as well yeah do you know 100 i totally agree with that because uh, I know that I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I know the message that I put out there is not for everyone. And I'm okay with that. I don't expect everyone to agree with me. I don't need them to. Because I know that there's enough coaches and personal trainers within the industry that will agree with me. So I don't focus on converting the naysayers around to my way of thinking. Because I don't need people to believe in what I believe for me to believe in it. Because then I know there's enough people out there for me to work with that do want to do things the way I want to do things as well. Yeah, and I think like even if you talk, if you look at people at the top of their game in say football like Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, there's still people that think they're not even the greatest. It'll be the older generation, be like Pele and Maradona and stuff like that. There's even the people who are at the top of their game that we put up at the top of the game that people still don't rate as footballers and everyone has a different style, everyone has a different preference, everyone has different personalities and it's about finding what works for you. Mm-hmm. You know, the mass the mass opinion doesn't really matter. All no. you need to do is just be able to convert enough people to have a successful business and convert people who are already on your way of thinking or close on the periphery. So she you done me the favor of giving me the opportunity to say where you can find me. So uh please do the same now. Let us know where we can find you, the podcast and your social media and things. Um, so the social media is at Shane Walsh Fitness on Instagram um, and Shane Walsh Fitness on Facebook as well. Uh, Instagram is definitely the best way to get me. Uh, the Shane Walsh Fitness podcast is, I think it's at episode 104, 105 at this stage. I've been so lucky to have like, the likes of Paul Moore, uh, Darren, uh, yourself, Becca, Sinead. The, the, guests, the guests have been incredible and it's definitely blown up during lockdown and that's definitely the best way if you want to find a little bit more information on basic nutrition and learn about a little bit mindset stuff towards dieting and how to talk about it yourself well then i would listen to the podcast it's up on itunes and up on spotify if you're looking to work with myself as kind of an online coaching capacity you can head over to dm me on instagram at shane walsh fitness or if you want to go to the website www.shanewalshfitness.com you can find client testimonials you can find transformations and you can find all the information including the price and stuff like that excellent excellent so shane it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much 
So guys, thank you so much for listening to that. So that episode was very, very different compared to the normal style of podcast that both Martin and I would normally record. It was very kind of orientated towards kind of like talking through our journey about businesses and stuff like that. And I hope you guys have found it useful if you're a PT or an online coach or any setting up a business or anything like that. doesn't matter what that business is. Um, it, it's definitely insightful. I've definitely taken notes from talking to Martin and I've worked with him a couple of times now. So if you're looking for a photo shoot, I was sending my clients up to him. I've worked with him twice now and we've become quite pally, hence why we recorded the episode today. So guys, if you've enjoyed the episode or found any tips or anything like that useful, please do tag Martin and I up on your stories, leave a review and up on iTunes on the various podcasts, and I will talk to you very soon, guys. Thank you so much for listening.